from over here because we don't have a remote to change the slide. So um, I hope that's going to be okay. First, I want to tell you about how I was thinking about this talk before I gave it. And I was thinking about how we often don't talk about juxtaposition and what an important role it plays in literary work. And the more I thought about that, the more important it seemed to me. And I thought that, you know, when you do it right, and you clear this negative space between the two things, so that the two things that can be juxtaposed, a spark flies up from that, from that empty space. That was the image that came to my mind. A little spark of extra meaning, a little spark of language excitement. And so that's why I decided to call my talk The Art and Spark of Juxtaposition. And then I went on the internet, as we often do, I said, well, I better give them a definition of of juxtaposition. I better look and see what people, how people are defining it. And then I found this. And this is the um, German artist who ended up in the United States as a refugee, Max Ernst. And he was very involved with the Dada and Surrealist movements. I certainly wouldn't consider myself a Surrealist in the of the actual, as I words where I usually remain. But maybe life around us all is surreal, so maybe it all works. Um, and Max Ernst said, creativity is that marvelous capacity to grasp mutually distinct realities and draw a spark from their juxtaposition. And I was just, wow, like, what is it about finding like-minded people in history? I seem to be very good at this. I fall in love with these guys who are dead. And um, I, have, I have another one I've been writing about for years, but Max Ernst, I thought, wow, a kindred spirit, the idea of the spark. Um, so if we think about all the ways that juxtaposition is used in all the places and the forms it's used in, if you think about comedy, it really animates comedy, because comedy starts off with something expected, and then the comedian throws in the unexpected and puts it right, right up against so that we don't have time to think and we laugh and it's wonderful. Or art, which juxtaposes images, colors, and forms, and a lot of the power of the art comes from the power of that juxtaposition. If you think about film and editing and what comes on one side of the edit and what comes on the other, it's that juxtaposition that creates so much meaning. Our poetry, of course, language is juxtaposed. Words can have different sounds and they can be juxtaposed. Images can be juxtaposed, and particularly if you think of what happens from the word at the end of a line to the, to the word at the beginning of the next line, or the word at the end of a stanza or a couplet to the word at the beginning of the next one. Juxtaposition is part of that meaning. So juxtaposition brings to our writing an excitement from the unexpected and the unpredictable, a little free sign of that pleasure and also that subtle pleasure of an unspoken implication. The writer didn't have to tell us that, but they put those two things next to each other, and we got it, and that little spark flies up. Um, so. so now the actual definition of juxtaposition is to place two ideas, or words or pictures, I got it, side by side, so that their closeness creates a new, often ironic meaning or to place things next to each other to show a relationship. And I think in writing here, we would mean a relationship in a place where we don't normally assume one. And if you think about forms that particularly rely on juxtaposition, things like collage, montage, poetry, um, if you think of film, if you think of the end of The Godfather, where the murders and the christening scene are juxtaposed, to give us a deeper meaning about the value system of this little subculture without anybody having to say, say that. And I would also add to this propaganda. Uh, if you think about the negative attack ads that proliferate so much now, frequently something that we all feel very negative about is juxtaposed against the name or the image of the candidate that they want to defeat. And that power, our mind, makes that association Well, I'm sure none of you would. I'm sure you would use it for art and for good, but uh, we do have to be on the alert against that, I think. And you particularly saw that when some people in the government wanted to go to war in Iraq, where constantly 9-11, Iraq, 
9-11 Iraq, and the President never said that there was a direct connection. But our minds, and many people's minds, drew, uh, drew a connection, drew a line between the two. Here's the artist Barbara Kruger. Uh, and she's juxtaposing her language, her words, but it wouldn't have a lot of meaning if she wasn't juxtaposing those words on an icon, a symbol that we all recognize, a simplified version of our flag. So if you think for a second, if you took out the blue corner and you just have the red rectangle, it just wouldn't have the same color. As it is, she's juxtaposing how she feels about things with this sort of institution of the state and of patriotism and so on. Um, here's a passage from a novel. This is not two chapters. This is within a chapter. This is Nina Adolescence by Amy Hassinger, director here of Iowa. And it's a novel about the awakening sexuality of the, uh, the uh, main character, Nina. And you see here this lovely paragraph where Nina you saw in the novel, and actually in the, in the real novel, I had to fit it all on one slide, but on the page in the real novel, that space between those two sections was a teeny bit bigger proportionally. Um, so in art, they often talk about negative space. It can be a really important part of the composition, but a place that you don't fill up. So and, space. Yeah, yeah, yeah or, if, or if the background is some other color, it could be some other color, but it allows the other things to kind of have power by its emptiness, by its being there. Um, so I'm going to give you a template or a structure today for a personal essay, or if the idea of a personal essay puts you off, you can have it as a piece of nonfiction, creative nonfiction, you can do whatever you want. And this structure is going to juxtapose two disparate narratives. Um, and we're going to hope that it creates meaning out of the overlaps, out of places where they overlap, out of places where they contrast, and out of the spaces between the two. And that the two pieces, without us having to do it, will comment on each other with their adjusted position. Now, obviously, you can't write this essay here today in the 11th hour. <laughs> I know that. It's actually a pretty big project. But I think it's a great one, and it's a fun one, so I really would urge you to do it. So I'm going to get you started, and I'm going to set you up to do it, and you're going to have everything you need to know. It may be also something you need to think about to find the right things to justify, because I know that. But we're going to get started, we're going to try it, and then I hope that you'll go on and, um, and, and do something with this later, maybe. Maybe you'll find this. It's a template. 
I suppose you could take this template and write a poem this way. I suppose you could maybe write a short story this way, but I really don't know anything about how to do those, so I can't help you there. But, um, but it is a template that you certainly can use for a piece of nonfiction. I suspect you can do the others if you know how to do it. Uh, so it might look something like this. It's going to have an A part and a B part. Or maybe the two narratives won't be equal. Maybe the A part is short and the B part is more dominant. The B part is more important. Okay, so I want you to get out your paper and pen. And we're going to start with the list of five. My class rolls the eyes. They know I'm working on list of five. Um, if you have more than five, that's good. But at least try to get five items on your list. And this list I want you to make, I'm going to explain it, but it's basically going to be five things you know about. So things you know how to do, uh, things you know a lot about, you could explain, just to get you thinking, various domains you might know uh, about. But if you're thinking of something in one of those domains, or you might have skills that you've learned through experience, and, you, and this is a way to think of making them more specific. You might be able to explain how to organize a protest, or how to parallel park on a hill, or how to find replacement parts on the web for your other knobs. Um, whatever it is, it could be very specific if you want. Always interesting. So just some suggestions of how to make your skills specific. Um, so if, you put, if you're thinking of something like history, I know a lot about history. Well, ask yourself, okay, what is the specific kind of history I know a lot about? Or if you know a lot about baking, what is it I know how to bake specifically? It's, there's a difference between fruit tarts and gluten-free cookies. So anyway, that's that. five things on their list. Okay, now we're going to make another list. And this list I would like you to put five stories you would really like to tell or stories that matter to you.
course, it's okay to retell a story. Some stories in our lives we retell in lots of different ways. I don't know. So don't hesitate to put down a story that matters to you that you've already told in one Got that down? Take a enough time. So if you've got your two lists now, you're going to look for connections. Are there things on one side of the list that could be juxtaposed with things on the other side? Are there any little sparks that could fly up? Um, if, do these things, so think about connections. Are there any concrete connections in terms of literal things? Um, places, people, objects, colors in two of these stories? Um, are there any metaphorical connections? that requires thought. Um, but I want to tell you, I give this student this assignment to my college students in a class I teach at our campus honors programs. These are like the um, 100 freshmen are uh, chosen to join this program each year at my university of Illinois where I teach. And um, I get to teach them writing. It's fun. They're, like, they're all valedictorians. They're remarkable. They're doing research. And they're, they're really quite amazing students. Um, so one was an international studies major, and she explained how some territorial disputes will inevitably lead to war, and there is a certain line you know, beyond it, countries will go to war. It was something she observed in her international studies class, and she juxtaposed that with a semester with a very difficult roommate who happened to be from another country. Um, another young student I had who is a very quite young serious scientist uh, working in another professor's lab to study botulism, but he didn't write about that. He just chose the history of chess, and he juxtaposed that with a difficult and complicated friendship that he had in high school. He was the star student, and this girl was the troubled girl who had serious substance abuse problems, and for some reason they had been put together as physics partners and had become quite close, but it was very difficult for him. And so he wrote those two stories and, and juxtaposed them. Another student juxtaposed how difficult it really is to grow vegetables and her idea that her, her relationship with her mother was also difficult to work out. Um, another student had taken a psychology class and she had learned this theory of relationships that you're most likely to uh, fall in love with someone in close proximity and she juxtaposed that with to her surprise, she had found herself falling in love with a boy that she felt like was her friend. And they frequently worked together organizing things at the church group. So um, another, another student of mine explained how to make squash soup, and he juxtaposed that with a difficult brother who was also a professional chef. Um, another student of mine, a wonderful writer, was helping a professor do research on the territoriality so he knew all about writing blackbirds, how far apart they sit in the field, why they sit this many feet apart, what males do, what females do. And he juxtaposed that with his own search to find um, a girl that he could fall in love So that was pretty wonderful, especially if you the very specific, the truthest knowledge he had about the writing blackbirds, which is terrific. Um, another woman student of mine wrote about her brother's decision to join the Marines and, and go overseas. And she juxtaposed that with, she said, a little bit on Wolverine behavior. Um, and then another student, this is a more obvious connection, but it works well. There are a lot of these you can do. She explained how.
I've gotten in the last couple of years like this. So you can see, it really has a lot of possibility and it's really fun. Yeah.
story that I would like to tell, and then uh, I'll have a list of things I know about. Uh, one of them I was involved in at the time uh, that the story took place. Another one I've been involved in more recently. Uh, can I paste, mix and match them, paste them across time? And if I do, it's still creative, but is it still not fiction? In other words, um, so you're the main character, you're the narrator character in yeah. both stories. I might use... Uh, uh, one happened in the past, and one, let me make sure I got this right. Yeah, one happened in more recently. Yeah. Okay, and you want to juxtapose the two. As if they're happening simultaneously, I'm still telling the truth. But, but why do you need to give up the past about the past story? Why would you put it in the present? Why not you could juxtapose the two stories and be true to the time frame? Yeah. You can try it. Maybe maybe putting one in the present would would have value, but you don't need to. You can try it the way you just told to. And you can even write the two separately if you want. Write one and write the other, and then cut them up and find little places to justify. But you will have to when you do that. You will have to make sure you leave the negative space. If you don't have any negative space, leave little empty places. You won't get this far. Leaving the past. Uh, rather than, you know, 
thinking about the puppet bed, which is how we usually start out in the first draft. I do, we all do, but then we want to get a little more complex and make it a little more fun for the reader. Reader reading, we all read, and I know you guys probably read, love to read like I do, and we love to read because it's active. You know, and if you're walking down a path, reading should be like a garden path, like the Japanese make, where it's a little difficult. You kind of have to step from stepping stone to one. You know, you maybe have to step over the Maybe have to find where the path turns. It's no fun to walk down a four-lane highway. So don't create a four-lane highway for your for your reader. Make it fun for them. You know, put in those twists and curves. Make those empty spaces of negative space that they have to step over just the way you do when you're walking on stepping stones in the garden. Yeah. Uh, can you go back a couple of slides to sure. the one that uh, had the uh, Crimin accepted. Yes, Susan Griffin? Yeah. So the juxtaposition is that is it the the ritualistic church removing the uh, legal limit to torture? Is that the juxtaposition? Is you know the the Pope as a symbol of God on earth, as as they say, as opposed to Torturing women. What do, you, what do people think? What do you think? Is that the what juxtaposition? What are you finding? What meaning there? Is anybody finding? Yeah. Well, I look at it as the liberal juxtaposition you find is these are questions that came out in the trial, and so to me, what they are asking, what they all, we only see two of those. Right. But it continues. Right. But they are. there too. I mean, I think there's a lot of meanings here, and, and what Nina said and yours about the, the Leonardo da Vinci and his marvelous things he's doing in this same era. Absolutely. There's one. Yeah.
Right, and at the same time, you're a society that's you know moving into the enlightenment and figuring out all these amazing things. So, but it's but the demonization of women is happening at this time. Yeah. Do you want to add anything? Is that, so that's yeah. That's the larger meaning. One of the threads going through it, and she's got to figure out the way to get that across to us in a way that will, you know, that will read it rather than a, a sort of textbook summary of what was happening to women in this time. And to point out that women were experiencing this very differently than, say, inquisitors or Leonardo da Vinci, or everyone was experiencing it differently. And I think that's another point she's trying maybe to make. Yeah.
advice for the Chancellor Scholars, little valedictorians, and they would revise every paper. They would tell them, you know, get to A, but they killed them. So um, they were kind of shocked that they had gotten C.
you have some trusted readers you might consider, uh, or the scattershot approach is always interesting if you're really desperate, give to a lot of people, see if there's any consensus, or just see if what they say jogs your brain in any way. 